Hi, I'm Susan. And this is Diane. And this is When Autumn Comes. Look, life sometimes just looks different than we thought it would. This is a podcast for mamas and for people who love them, whose lives were flipped upside down as a doctor looked into our eyes and explained our child's prognosis. Or for the mamas who get very little sleep as they face symptoms and behaviors that just aren't typical for other children. This is a place where we can take on this journey together because we know that this can be a sad, lonely, misunderstood path. But we also know that as colder temperatures and darker days begin to appear, so do the golden leaves and beautiful sunsets of autumn. We know that life comes in seasons. We know that in our world, 24 hours can hold so much change that it feels like four seasons in one day. We are here to let you share your story, let you laugh and let you cry, let you learn and let you grow together with other mothers when autumn comes. You know, when you meet people and you're like, that person is just the kindest human being that I have ever met. You know that feeling that you get when you walk away from a conversation? That's exactly what I got after meeting Diane's friend, Alana. We talked to her about her daughter, Francesca, and the relationship that Francesca has with her siblings. We also talk about, you know, just processing the, the no from God that you get sometimes when you think you want something and things just end up looking different. I'm super excited for you guys to hear this conversation. So welcome, Alana. Hey, everybody, we are back today. We have the privilege of speaking with Alana Caruso. Um, And Alana, I think, is going to really inspire a lot of you. Um, She offers a lot of hope, a lot of positivity. And Susan and I were just talking, and she just seems like a pure soul. So um, welcome, Alana. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. So tell us a little bit about your family. Sure. Let's see here. We have, um, my husband and I, Mark and I, have four children. The oldest is 13. That's Gianna. She is a typically developing 13-year-old. And we have Francesca, who just turned 10. And we have Rocco, who just turned 2. And we have Roman, who is 7 months. Oh my goodness. You have full house. Yes, we have a full house and all the different ages. <laughs> so fun. I yeah. I admire you. So we are going to talk about all your children today, but yes. we are going to focus on Francesca, your 10-year-old. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about her? Yes. She is um, kind of the light in the house. Um, we love all of our children, of course, very much equally, but she really gives us a little something special every single day. She loves singing. She is, I guess, the the biggest game player out of all of our kids. You know, she will any second ask you to play Ring Around the Rosie with her or Peekaboo with her, or she wants you to chase her, or she is just into swinging and jumping on the trampoline. And you can kind of see the, um, the, that she is kind of into sensory things. So anything, say, yeah, she she's seems, a sensory She loves speaker. moving, it sounds yes, like. Yeah. She's always moving, always talking, always into 
getting everyone involved. Let's say my husband and I are on our phones or our older daughter is on her phone. She is in your face like, nope, pay attention to me. Come on, let's, <laughs> let's, get, let's get the family going here, which is wonderful. We love that. Yep. So you said a lot about the things that she um, enjoys doing. You had spoke to us about YouTube and how she has um, showed you a plethora. And we we totally want you to tell all of us because we learned yes. something new. So tell us like her YouTube faves. Okay, her YouTube faves. I mean, that is a long list. It, let's see. It starts <laughs> let's with... Let's stick with their, the top three. <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, that is... This is going to be tough. Okay. Let's do Coco Melon. She loves herself some JJ on Coco Melon. <laughs> she also loves Patty Shukla, which is singing and signing, which is amazing. And let's see, let's round out the top three with, hmm, this is a tough one. How about Little Baby Bum? I mean, she's I been on that for about say. seven years. Yes. That's what Salem was on too. And I told Susan, you have to watch Baby Bum. We're we're kind of coming to the tail end of Baby Bum and I'm a little sad about it, but yep. it's a good one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. She's kind of on the tail end of that, but now my two-year-old likes it. So if he's watching oh, it, she'll she's watch all in. it as well, you know. Yep. yep. So now what disease affects her? So she has a mitochondrial disease, which you two are well aware of mitochondrial disease. She has one called pyruvate dehydrogenase complex disorder, which is a mouthful. Totally. Yeah. yeah. A silver lining, it has a name? I- Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, as a, as a mom of any child, to have your child undiagnosed is, is tough. And I feel like we've lived so many different realities as far as getting Francesca diagnosed. You know, I was a special needs mom. I was a special needs mom of two daughters, you know, one typical, one special needs. I'm a military wife. So I had that thrown on as well. And so I felt like getting her finally diagnosed at the age of seven after so long and kind of coming to the conclusion that we wouldn't get a diagnosis was a stepping stone to kind of healing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a treatable or curable disease at this point. Um, we, We do hope that at some point it is, but she's stable and she is healthy for the most part. So we just kind of have a name to a very strange disease. And for people who are listening that don't know mm-hmm. anything about mitochondrial disease, mm-hmm. which is totally okay because I guarantee you the three of us had no clue that it existed until we were in a quiet conference room of some sort. Absolutely. Mito in general, mito is kind of as generic as saying cancer. There's so many different mm-hmm. types of mito mm-hmm. and the severity of all of them is very different where Mm -hmm. it seems like Francesca based off of what you've said and what I saw on your Facebook page when I was creepy stalking, she can walk and talk. Whereas my kids are really good at laying like real good. (laughs) (laughs) Does she have a feeding tube or anything? Is she able to eat by mouth? She eats by mouth. She is Mm -hmm. on a form of the keto diet um, because of her, form of mitochondrial disease, her pyruvate is affected. So her pyruvate, I 
I have been told, is what, you know, breaks down the carbohydrates. And so her body cannot break down carbohydrates. She needs an excess of fat. And mm-hmm. so um, she has a modified keto diet. She does not have a feeding tube. We did at one point think that that might be a possibility. She had some swallowing troubles and they thought they just weren't going to be able to get in the amount of fat that she really needed. Mm-hmm. With, I, I guess with keto being a new craze, even when you, you know, you, most people don't really need it for health purposes, um, there are so many more options. So yeah. we have yeah. been fortunate enough to find some things that she will eat and kind of st- maintain that, um, it's a kind of a low form of keto. And it's so crazy because we've asked our doctors if our kids should be doing keto um, because I eat very low carb in general, but I'm still trying to lose my 40 pounds of Benji baby weight. And um, (laughs) I, we did ask and they said with my kids, no, to avoid it because they don't have the ability to, they need quick sugars. They need something to give them quick energy because their type of mitochondrial disease, they just, they need quick energy. Whereas I guess keto would be too much work for them. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense to me how, how one part of the metabolic chain can affect yeah. so differently. And, and, and actually each kid that has PDCD, which is just pyruvate dehydrogenase complex disorder, shortened into a more <laughs> easy to say, yeah. um, variation is, um, each kid is affected so, so differently. I would say probably 90% of the PDCD kids are on keto, a form of keto of some sort, but even in that disease, kids are affected so, so differently. There are many, many kids who are more severely affected. And there are actually many kids who are less severely affected than Francesca. So Mm -hmm. it is amazing that she can walk and she can talk and she can have somewhat of a conversation. I wouldn't say she's fully conversational, but I would definitely say she's verbal. Mm-hmm. And, um, there are, there are children who, that have this disease that go to mainstream school and just need a little bit of outside help. So it really just kind of runs a gambit of, you just have no idea when you're told this disease, what your ch- child's future is going to look like. Yeah. Can you speak back to that seven years of diagnosis? Like, I know we don't want to get too medical, but she was born. Mm-hmm. What kind of triggered everything? The start of the questioning? Sure. So I, how they say moms just know something isn't right. I think I've heard you guys talk about this in the past as well. And most special needs moms. When she was born, I knew something was different. She was very small, which my first daughter was small as well, but she was very small. She was under five pounds at um, 37 weeks. And she first failed her hearing scan. And they said, well, she was a C-section baby, so that's probably why. And let's just try it again. Her ears are so tiny because she's so small. So maybe the probes didn't fit in there well enough. And actually, that didn't scare me that much. At that point, I hadn't put two and two together. I thought, okay, that's fine. Maybe I was still a little bit you know, drugged up from the C-section, but I thought, okay, no big deal. So fast forward a few weeks, we did another one. She failed it again. Same answer. She's just got fluid in her ears. But by this point, she was still acting very much like a new newborn. She slept probably 20 hours a day, which I had brought up to the pediatrician several times. And they said, don't worry, all babies are different. And I'm like, this is not just different. This is alarming. I have to wake her to eat. This is like scary and similar. 
to Sayla's story. Yes. She failed her yep. first two screens too. Yep. It's just eerie. Yeah. And I remember you saying the same thing about that. She slept all the time and and that's, you know, you think, well, that's great. They're, you know, they're learning how to use their bodies and they're growing as they're sleeping. But what if they're not? What if they aren't eating enough to grow? So I would wake her to eat her every three hours at night. I would set my alarm. And um, the first, I would say, inkling that something really wasn't right as I was, my husband was deployed at the time. And it was just my older daughter and I and Francesca at home. And I thought I saw the top of her lip was blue. And I thought, well, that can't be right. No way. I'm just, I'm seeing things. And so I kind of let it go. I brushed it off. I thought I'm a new mom. I'm postpartum. My husband's deployed. I brought it up to my sister who had had several kids at the time and said, I, I think this happened. And she think, she said, I think you're crazy. Well, thankfully it happened again in front of her, which she still didn't think was a big deal. But I said, nope, take me to the hospital. I, I want her to go to a children's hospital. Just take me. We went there and we spent five days there. And they did luckily see what I was talking about. And they did a myriad of tests, genetic tests, um, echocardiograms for her, you know, her heart. Is she having seizures? They just, they kind of tested everything. And after being there for five days, they discharged us and told us that she was just having periodic breathing spells. So <sighs> it's very normal for a newborn baby to quit breathing and that they always start on their own again. That it was almost like if you're watching a scary movie and you don't realize it's so scary that you just stop breathing for a second and then you just restart. But my lip doesn't turn blue when I do that. I don't let it go that long. No no one lets it go that long. So in the back of my head, I left going, I think we're missing something. So this is just kind of the beginning of, of the end of her being a typical baby. She missed milestones. You know, she didn't sit until she was nine months old. She didn't roll over until she was about nine months old. She started crawling at two and a half. She started walking pretty abnormally, but walking at three and a half. So it was just kind of missed milestones and missed milestones. And no one ever, ever brought up mitochondrial disease. It was not something I'd ever heard of until that day I got the call when she was seven years old. It was just test after test of you know, just, I think we've got this. I think we've got this. The hearing impairment was really what was, you know, it finally was solidified that she is hearing impaired and she was, you know, now she uses hearing aids. But I think that was really looked at and her intellectual disability. Now it's intellectual disability. At that point, it was just developmental delay, but that was looked at, but never as a mitochondrial disease until we did the whole exome sequencing. So did you, in that time period, did you just mm-hmm. think, I, ju- I mean, not to sound ignorant or put anybody down, but mm-hmm. did you think it's just special needs? It's just delays. Like yep. were doctors telling you like, I'm so sorry, she she has delays, there's nothing underlying or was it, we just don't have an answer? I guess I would go back and forth as I wanted to hear, she's just got a developmental delay and maybe she won't ever catch up, but le- she's not going to get worse. And maybe it's just like you hear about a duplication of a gene or a, you know, a deletion of a gene where people just had some kind of, um, deletion in some gene and they've got a little bit of an intellectual disability. I thought, okay, maybe we're just dealing with that and they just don't know which one. When we really kind of push for testing and we really had a genetic counselor at the hospital that we go to help us push for testing. 
And we had almost everyone done. And then finally, they just said, I think you're going to have to go with whole exome sequencing. And you really only have about a 30% chance of getting an answer. So really don't put all your eggs in one basket. And we got it the first time. What did that feel like? I mean, you heard it. And I remember you reaching back out to me (laughs) being like, hold the phone. Did you just say that Selah had this? And then we kind of spoke about going from that developmental delay, special needs to then this is a disease that may or may not progress. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those days that I'll never forget. You have those in your life, you know, it might be more than just your children. I mean, it just, there's, there's days in your life that you remember where you were when you got a phone call, exactly what you were wearing, exactly what you were doing. I was at the gym and I got a call from the genetic counselor. I'd been waiting for probably three months and they told us it will be several months, which by the way, is that the hardest thing in the world when they tell you, we're taking this test on your daughter. It may tell you her future. Just wait three months and we'll get back to you. I mean, yeah. I just can't believe that that's possible. Her future and your future. like Exactly. It's not just- exactly. And maybe future children and maybe yeah. my older daughter. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah I your remember older that day. Yeah. I remember that day like no other just because we... um we waited and waited and I finally saw that number pop up. Of course, I had the number memorized on my, you know, in my head. And I saw her call and she just was very cheery and said, hi, you know, we did find an answer. And she goes, oh, it sounds like you're somewhere. Do you want to call me back? And I just kind of thought, do you think that anything is more important than this? No, I'm leaving where I'm at right now. There is no way I could ever go back to working out at the gym and just not have you tell me this. So like, hold on. Yeah. I have 10 more minutes on the treadmill. Can I call <laughs> yeah. you back then? Like, like you're the only reason I'm on the treadmill right now. I'm trying to stress relieve. <laughs> I need to hear this answer. So she gave me this answer of, you know, she said, your daughter has a mitochondrial disease called pyruvate dehydrogenase complex disorder. And I was <laughs> furiously said, writing this down. Bless you. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hold on, hold on. I'm writing it down phonetically. Like, um, okay, wait, can you, can you just spell it for me? And she's like, okay. So she, she spelled it for me. And she said, I just, you know, I want, she did explain a little bit how her symptoms do make sense for the disease, uh, hearing impaired, microcephaly, developmental disability. And she said, I can't get you in for another week to talk to the doctor about it. Please, until those seven days go by, don't Google. Wait, let me. I was going to say, let me guess. Don't Google. <laughs> we haven't I heard like that one before. Hand out stickers or signs or something <laughs> to parents or like block us completely off of Google. Just anyone really. Because I mean, you, I can Google things about myself. Just it's, no. never, it's never good. Just don't do it ever. Yeah. So yes, she said, um, yeah, seven days is your appointment. Just please don't Google it. And that was that. I mean, she was wonderful I mean, about it. I love her, but just... Are you kidding? You know, like, I almost wonder if they should have just scheduled. I mean, part of me says if somebody knew an answer, I'd want to know. But at the same time, schedule the appointment for seven days out and then call me the day before. (laughs) Like, I mean, I don't know if I, the sitting for seven days. But again, if somebody knew a secret about my kid, I would want to know it. But I don't know. Like, let's just coordinate the appointments a little better. And what what you don't know doesn't hurt you. Right. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. And that's what it felt like. It was this big secret. Like, okay, you, you won't let me Google, but... Genetic counselors who are listening, we three moms are giving you permission to call us 24 hours before our appointment. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. 
I wholeheartedly agree. And (laughs) so, yeah, we, uh, and I said, will you please put me on a cancellation list? There's no way I can wait seven days. You know, I'm going to get off the phone and Google. She said, I will. Absolutely. And I did actually end up getting a cancellation appointment. I think it was maybe two days from that, that first day that I got the call. And And can we we pause quick? Yeah. Your husband is not with you or wait, was he home at this time? At this time, okay, she was seven. Yes, he was home at that time. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yes, he was home at that time, thankfully. He was he was deployed when our oldest Gianna was born, and then he deployed the day after Francesca was born. So oh, always wonderful timing on his part, but it made it so <laughs> he was home seven years later. And yes, yeah, so we went into the appointment and, and had brought my parents and and his parents, everyone wanted to know. I had previously Googled and cried my eyes out and joined a Facebook group. Facebook is great for that. And yeah, we went into the appointment with our notepads and our pens and just were ready to take in as much knowledge as we could. So let me ask as another mito mom, my kids have a two to five year life expectancy. Have they given or said anything like that for her? So that was one of the questions that I wanted to ask so badly, right? It's your first question, isn't it? But Mm -hmm. I waited until the very end because I, I just, it's like, you almost don't want to hear the answer. You do and you don't. So it was not something that was touched on per se, that first appointment. And so I kind of felt like there was, if you don't tell me that there isn't a shortened life expectancy, then I'm just going to go with ignorance is bliss and that it's, there is no shortened life expectancy. So subsequent appointments, when I have met with her doctor, I had my mom with me at one appointment who is very straightforward. I love her for that. And maybe that's where, why I needed to bring her because I'm not, I'm like sugarcoat me things. She is not. So she asked the doctor, what are we looking at here? Are we, are we going to lose her at some point? And the doctor said, well, he kind of looked at me. Do you, do you want to hear this? And I said, I don't know. And he goes, well, I'll just tell you this. I have a patient right now who is 24 and she is doing fine. She's doing fine. And he said, she's had a lot more surgeries and she's had a lot more health things than Francesca and she's doing fine. So that's kind of as far as I've gone with it. I do know that there are older people, even than the 24 year old with my Facebook group and Googling, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I do, I, I know that as far as the average life expectancy, I, there is, there is none, right? I mean, it, you just, it's just, you live every day as hoping that mm-hmm. you don't, you don't have that, that you don't see that. I think I'm sitting here as a mom who has been given the two to five thing. Yep. And part of me is jealous because yep. you know this disease. I mean, you know Mm -hmm. the ins and outs of this disease, and we all know how fickle this disease is. Mm -hmm. But the second somebody puts that label in my head, I can't shake it. And Lorelai turns five in a couple weeks. Wow. You know, I mean, it's something that you can't shake. So I'm sure, I don't know you that well, but I'm sure too, like the 24 number will probably stick with you. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's hard. It yeah. doesn't matter what it is, but I, I applaud you for being able to just be like, it is what it is. Let's keep mm-hmm. going. I mean, that, right. it's so cool. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I have to. And, and part of that is because having the other kids and especially having a typically developing teenager in the house as well, I have a really hard time showing vulnerability in front of her. She knows what the deal is. She knows that we get upset about Francesca's disease. She knows that it's hard. I mean, she deals with it as well. It's hard for her as well. But it's the vulnerability piece of really going, how do I explain to her that we we might not have her sister someday? I mean, I just, so so I just keep the hope alive that we're not going to. Or if we are, I can't think or talk about it at this point. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, now switching to siblings, because mm-hmm. there is so much, I don't know if sacredness is the right word for me, but to our family, mm-hmm. there's so much um, like compassion towards the child with special needs. <clears throat> and I know I'm in a spot where like, what is that? What, where do my other two kids sit in this? And if I was in their heads, what do they see? What do they hear? How do they process that? You know, and, and how do you, I was going to ask you if you had spoken to Gianna about, and we're honest about diagnosis or all the things, I guess. And then how does she take that? You know? And then she's a 13 year old girl who Mm -hmm. is worried about boys and cars Mm -hmm. and things like that. And Mm -hmm. how does having a special needs sibling play into I'm 13? Right. Yeah. There's so many different aspects that, that you can touch on in, in this realm of my reality. It's Gianna being a 13 year old who has struggled herself with like you said, boys, school, I mean, especially this past year, not even going into a school and doing online learning and really struggling with friendships. And then to throw on there a sister that has been home for the last year as well. I mean, we didn't we didn't want to chance her going into her school. She isn't necessarily what you call immune compromised, but we just don't know how she would have done if she had gotten sick. So we kept her home as well. It is a lot to throw onto a teenager she has had her sister since she was three years old and she has done remarkably well, but she hadn't had another sister. So I don't know the difference. I do Mm -hmm. know that she was a happily, you know, happily developing, bubbly, funny, silly three-year-old. And I do know that she has become more serious as she's gotten older. She's wonderful. She's still silly, but she has become more serious. And is it because of the serious nature of Francesca's disease and what our family has been through. It, it may, um, it may also be that she has seen her dad, you know, be deployed and we've, we've moved across the country. And so there's been some things that maybe not every kid has gone through, but I do see that they have a special bond. I pray that it stays that way and it gets stronger, but it's not something you can force. Unfortunately, I wish that I could, but she, at any, any time I want her to help out with her sister, or if I just need an extra eye on her, I can always ask Gianna. I mean, almost more than I can trust a babysitter. She knows what she can eat, what she can't eat, what she'll put in her mouth, what she won't put in her mouth. It's just an amazing thing. You talked about the relationship you have with your sister and that your yeah. sister is your best friend, your your soulmate, your yeah. I mean that your sister is your person. And now you see your two daughters having 
this relationship that's different from what you had. Right. Right. I mean, it's strong in its own way, but are you grieving what you thought their relationship would look like at all? Absolutely. Yeah. My older sister and I, I have three sisters. My older sister and I have same mom and dad. My two much younger sisters, same dad, different mom. So I love them all equally. My oldest sister is who I am closest with. We are the only ones that actually lived in the same house together. She's three and a half years older than I am. And I was always the annoying little sister until we grew up. And then we're like, oh, wow, we really actually love each other. We're best (laughs) friends now. It's wonderful. She's, um, yeah, like I, like I, like I wrote to you guys, she's my best friend and my confidant and she's amazing. When I got pregnant with Francesca, I said, please, Lord, please, Lord, let it be a girl. Because I realized when I got pregnant, Gianna was three. By the time I would have had her, she was going to be three years and six months old, which is exactly how much older my sister is than I am. When I found out it was a girl, I planned their whole lives. They're going to be maid of honors at each other's wedding. They are going to be best friends. They're going to wear each other's clothes and then hate each other, love each other, hate each other, love each other. I had Francesca and Gianna does love her just in a very different way than I had pictured. She hopefully one day will understand what a blessing Francesca is, but we struggle daily with I don't know some days that she likes her. Francesca bites. Francesca hits. Francesca has autism as well as her mitochondrial disease. So she doesn't interact or play like most 10-year-olds would. She doesn't want her sister to do her makeup. She doesn't want to steal her sister's clothes. She wants to watch YouTube videos. So I really struggle with finding things for the two of them to do together. It's almost like finding something for an adult because now 13 is seemingly an adult and a toddler to do together mm-hmm. and almost two, two people that don't want to be doing things together to, to kind of push them together. So I think kind of my reality of having that really close, close bond of sisters is just ever changing just because it's not going to look just like mine doesn't mean it isn't going to be amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask as a strong Christian woman, how you handled the answer of no, like, okay, I'll give you a girl, but sorry, it's not going to look like you thought. Right. Yeah. That, 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 no, that's tough. (laughs) We really struggled with that. You know, it was, it was such a blessing that we were, that we were pregnant again and that we were, you know, we didn't, we didn't have to wait. We got pregnant again right away and found out it was a girl like I had wanted. And the prayer that wasn't answered was a healthy, typical daughter that was going to be best friends with our current daughter. But what we got was just so much more than I actually had prayed for that when they say you don't really know what to pray for, is so true because I never would have known to pray for a Francesca. How do you pray for that? How do you pray for truly an angel on earth? You, you can't. So when God gave us her and thought that we could handle it, which is amazing at times, but (laughs) yes, yes. We'll go with that word. Yes. Um, when God gave us her, it was kind of a, Maybe, maybe it wasn't so much of a no for, you know, having that sisterly bond. Maybe it was more of a not right now. 
So, you know, maybe Gianna grows up and lets her sister live with her. Maybe she doesn't. Maybe she doesn't want to have, you know, a a super close relationship with her. But maybe Gianna grows up and she is a special ed teacher. Or Mm -hmm. maybe she grows up and she's a physical therapist. Or maybe, maybe she just has a bigger heart towards people that are different. Yep. We all kind of hope that our kids grow up and become something big and magical. But at the same time, like, maybe she won't. And maybe she just sees a mom like me who was suctioning my kid at the back of the car at the zoo one time. And instead of pointing and staring and making jokes, she says, come on, friends, let's go. And that would be... That yep, would be that's magical. I mean, and, honestly. And really nothing can make you more proud. I mean, like I wouldn't, mm-hmm. of course, I would be proud of her no matter what she decides to do in life. But what makes me the most proud is when I see her just not gawk at mm-hmm. a family with a special needs child or mm-hmm. when she offers to help someone, when she offers to lend a hand to a new student in school or sit by someone who may just need a friend that day. I feel like the compassion that she feels towards other people is so much stronger than what I even would have hoped that she could be. And I know that's directly caused by having a sister like Francesca. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I can't relate to that. I didn't go through that. I loved my upbringing, but I went to a private school. We didn't have any special needs kids in my school. No one in my family had special needs. When I was given a special needs daughter... I I wanted to say, we, this is a mistake. I don't know anything about this. But my daughter, it's not the same for her. She, she sees it on a daily basis and can appreciate it. Not just see it and know what to do, but she can appreciate it. You know, my she doesn't care about social norms as much as mm-hmm. anyone else would at a 13-year-old's age. Mm-hmm. You know, my Francesca doesn't do social norms. She's belting out nursery rhymes in the middle of Target and doesn't care if someone's staring at her or, you know, screaming about something she wants in Target at almost 10 or now 10. And she doesn't care. And Gianna doesn't seem to get embarrassed about her sister, which is truly a blessing. Yeah. It's fascinating. I think I've said it before with Caleb in school. Just, it's just everything around them is normal, you know, outbursts of other children or mm-hmm. anybody that's acting different. It's, it doesn't even phase these children. And like, what a gift that, mm-hmm. especially as mothers, we can watch because not only is it our typical child looking at these other peers with peer acceptance, and then you're on the other side too, with a special needs child that you just hope gets that acceptance. Absolutely. Now let's shift to, you have two other kids. We do. And at some point, developmentally, is she where they are? Is that another component for you? Yeah. So that is something that I struggle with. You know, we, we have two other children and they are much younger than our two girls. We have Rocco who is two, just newly two. And we have Roman who is seven months. They're both typically developing and Rocco is now talking some and understanding a ton and asking for what he wants and sometimes understands maybe a little more than Francesca does and sometimes maybe a little less, but each day it's closer and closer to where she is developmentally. And that's a hard pill to swallow when you have a 10-year-old and your two-year-old is gaining on her. 
And of course, you're impressed and amazed when you have a typically developing toddler after you've had a child with special needs because you realize, wow, this is truly amazing how the brain just knows how to work and the body. Mm-hmm. But it's also a struggle when you see that, you know, maybe at her 10 year old age, she's probably at a three year old level, I would say, give or take some things. He's going to pass her up. And so is Roman. And I don't know how that will look for them. I know how it looks for my older daughter because we've lived that. I don't know how it looks with two younger, especially boys. Are they going to be embarrassed of her? You know, what I pray is just be little protectors for her. They will have known her their whole lives. So hopefully they can stand up for her. The dynamics of families are just, it's so, you know, it is what you teach them. It is what you make this. And right. I think, I mean, I've talked to you now for 37 minutes and 47 seconds. And you just seem like one of the most pure one of the most pure souls we've talked to in a while. And I feel like your kids will feel and act the same way. I sure hope so. Some days my 13 year old says she's never having kids. And I no, say, they're 13. well, am I, am I making it look that terrible? <laughs> I'm a stay at home mom of four children and I'm really making it look appealing. I can tell. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, if you don't want to, you don't want to, that's fine. And let's just, let's just work on being 13 first. <laughs> yeah. Let's focus on the 13 year old thing. That's a hard enough thing yeah. as it is. I wouldn't go back if you paid me. Nope. No, no. So Alana, we end every episode yes. asking the question, what gives you hope? Yes. Okay. What gives me hope? Let's see here. And that's a tough one. It shouldn't be that hard, should it? No, it's pretty hard. It, okay, so my kids' laughter. That gives me hope. I Not only just the actual sound of it, but just knowing if my kids are laughing together, it means they're playing together. It means they're interacting together. So I'm going to start by saying my, my kids' laughter. What gives me hope is that... My kids are growing up in a world that will know more people like Francesca and hopefully will be impacted by children and adults like Francesca so they can take with them as they age into adulthood that not only to accept people like Francesca, but really engage with people like her and I probably have more, but we'll stick with those two. They were good. Well, thank you for joining us and sharing your beautiful family with us today. Of course. I'm happy to. That was a really insightful, pure, positive episode, I thought. Susan, what do you think? She's just so, she seems so kind. I want to be friends with her. And I mean, shameless plug, she's joining the 4AM Mom Club, so you guys could be friends with her too. But she just seems so kind. Mm -hmm. Makes me want to like question my kindness levels. (laughs) Maybe I need to be more kind. I feel like you have gifts and you need to just 
you know, you have gifts, gifts. too, but you're not kind. (laughs) (laughs) No, but thank you so much, Alana. I really, I know I can very much relate to, um, you know, my daughter having a sibling and just how do you manage all that? So it was really great perspective. And I just very much appreciated how she, you know, brought the kindness and the hope for other people to the table. So this is Susan and I'm going to go work on being more kind. Good call. You can never, you can never do that enough. This is Diane and I have to take sale therapy. So we are out. Bye. We know you have so many choices on how to spend your time. Thank you so much for choosing to spend it with us. We would be honored to hear your unique, complicated, and hope-filled stories. We would love for you to connect with us and share your story on our website, www.whenautumncomes.com, and you can find us on social media at When Autumn Comes Podcast. Also, check us out at 4AM Mom Club, where we will be sharing our middle-of-the-night shenanigans, Etsy finds, Netflix faves, and other things to get us through. We would love for you to hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You'll continue to hear unique stories, feel a whole lot of comfort and connection, and hopefully share in a few laughs. We are new to the podcasting world, so this show is produced by yours truly. With hope and a whole lot of excitement, Diane and Susan. See you next time.